Warning. The following podcast is not suitable for listeners of any age. The podcast may include poor guitar playing, dad jokes, and inducement of fear acquisition syndrome. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, everybody. For this week, we've got something really special going on. We're interviewing Alex Hall, a Nashville country artist with a huge focus on guitar. So much so, in fact, that his last album was titled Six Strings and was a guitar-based project centered around the guitar featuring heroes like Vince Gill, Brad Paisley, and John Osborne, among many others. Alex is currently signed to Monument Records and is due to release a new album titled Side Effects of the Heart on September 15th. How's it going, Alex? Doing great, man. How are you? Doing outstanding. Glad to have you here. So before we get started, we got a big tradition here on the show. Why don't you hit us with your best corny dad joke? Bonus points if it's guitar related. Oh, man. I mean, I am very bad at dad jokes. I should have prepared something for this. Um, you know, I don't. Do you have one that you could throw out there? I don't even know. I'm blanking on any dad jokes. Oh, I don't have any guitar related ones up there, but. Uh... You know, my wife the other day, she told me I needed to stop pretending to be a flamingo, and uh, I had to put my foot down. <laughs> See, that's that's great. See, I don't even have one. Like, I <laughs> I have no dad jokes for some reason. I don't know why. But uh, I'm glad that you had one in your in your back pocket. Oh, I got plenty of them. All right. That's incredible. So Sorry, start off I let by... you down there. No, you're good. Don't sweat it. Start off by telling us a little bit about yourself. Well, man, I, uh, I'm a country music artist here in Nashville, Tennessee, um, and uh, I was born and raised in North Georgia on a, on a small horse farm down there, so I grew up living a very country lifestyle and rodeoing every weekend and stuff like that. So, um, you know, all, all the cliches that I guess come around being a country singer. Um, but yeah, man, I just, I've always loved singing, I've always loved music, and, and I started doing that pretty early on when I was about 15 years old. I started playing shows and stuff, and and kind of making trips to Nashville to write songs and so on and so on. And uh, and now I'm in Nashville today making my debut record release in next week, I believe it is, on the 15th of September, uh, Monument Records and touring the world now, which is crazy. I've been able to tour Europe, Europe twice last year and uh, hopefully we'll do it some more next year and stuff. But it's uh, it's been a fun journey so far. That's awesome. So being raised in North Georgia on a horse farm, how do you feel that growing up there inspired your music? Man, you know, I think one, the location of where I grew up, it's just a beautiful place. It's right at the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. And so it's it's fairly flat, but hilly. And then these beautiful landscapes of the Blue Ridge Mountains in the background. And so, you know, it is a beautiful place just to grow up. But also, I think it's the work ethic that I got from growing up on the horse farm, you know, whether that was waking up early and having to take care of all the animals or whatever that was, I just feel like that that really instilled something in me, whether I knew it at the time or not, that is the reason that I can, you know, chase a dream after 10 years and still, you know, be just as eager to achieve it as I was when I began doing it. And uh, so I think I think all of that stuff kind of relates into to where I am today and, and the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. For sure, for sure. That's a that's a gorgeous area. I mean, I remember getting to go hike uh, hike Stone Mountain a while ago. Yeah. It's an awesome yeah, area out there. It's beautiful. It's uh it's really it's really a great place to grow up. Awesome. Now, for many of us, guitar is really just a hobby. We play it at home for our own enjoyment. But what inspired you to make the leap from just playing at home, playing for yourself, to playing live and becoming a professional recording artist? 
Yeah, man. I mean, you know, I think it was the guitar specifically and music in general was the thing that I feel like connected with me the most out of everything that I tried in life, whether that was sports or academics or even even the horses and stuff that I was, again, rodeoing and stuff at the time. It just it was just really natural to me. Um, and, and it clicked really quickly and, and I didn't necessarily set out to become a guitar player per se. I was really getting into it because I love to sing and I love to, to write songs and, and that's really all that I wanted to do. And, um, and in the area that I grew up in, there were not necessarily a ton of musicians. Um, there were a very small handful of ones that were pretty good. And, um, and I just had, you know, a few guitar players that would fall, fall out of the gig the day of having to go in and play a show or whatever. And so I would have to uh, kind of just fill in and make it up as I went. And I just kind of fell in love with the lead guitar aspect of it out of just default by not having somebody there. And um, and then, you know, I really started learning that folks that I grew up loving, like Brad Paisley and Vince Gill and John Mayer and all these great artists, um, Keith Urban, that are, are so talented and that I love so much, I realized that they were also playing those guitar parts that I was learning to play at these live shows and covering and all the stuff. And I was like, man, maybe I could do that too. And, um, and then, you know, I, I was off to the races after that. I just really became obsessed with it and still am. For sure. I mean, there's no greater inspiration than, than seeing somebody that you really idolize and being like, you know what, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to do the same thing. If they can do it, I can do it. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I, I, I remember watching videos and, and stuff of them on, I guess YouTube was around at the time. I don't really remember, to be honest. But there was uh, one specific one with Keith Urban, and I think it was a video. It was a, it was a live concert video that was on CMT, on the Country Music Television Network or whatever. And, and he was running through the crowd with this, I think it was a gold top Les Paul. And I thought that was just the coolest thing in the world because one, the guitar was beat up and looked cool and he was just ripping it, running through this crowd. And I was like, I want to do that. Like that's the coolest thing in the world. And, uh, and that was one of those moments for me where I was like, that's just, that's awesome. You can be an entertainer and be an artist and you can also like rip on a guitar. And, um, and yeah, so here we are. <laughs> for sure. So when you first started playing live, did you start with covers or was it original music from the start? It was a little bit of both, man. I mean, I, I, you know, when I first started playing, I was kind of like set up in the corner of a restaurant or whatever it was and, and try and get somebody's attention for three hours. And, and I only knew a handful of songs. And I think at that time I had written probably two, three songs max. And so I had like a, a group of maybe five to six songs that I knew that were covers or a few originals. And I would just play them over and over and over again all night long. And, um, and it was great. And, you know, eventually you learn more songs and so on and so on. But I, I would say I did it for a few years there. I was doing like the three hour bar band kind of thing for a while, which is a great way to cut your teeth, I think, for you to really learn how to like one, grab a crowd, but also just like learn what kind of style of music that you really, you know, gravitate towards. Whether you because I grew up listening to primarily nothing but country music. And that's obviously still the kind of music that I'm making. And I love country music. But, you know, you try out certain covers or whatever it is and you figure out that maybe this song works better for you than that song does or whatever. And so I feel like that was a really great way to cut your teeth. But I eventually realized uh, that I, I didn't really want to do the cover thing very much. And I, I still to this day don't love covering songs. I would much rather play my own music. Um, and so so I started out doing both. And, you know, I gradually worked my way up to, to now. I, I'll, I'll throw in a cover here or there. It's It's kind of reverse psychology i guess you could say hey for sure i'd rather play your music too it's really good 
<laughs> well, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. So uh, from what I heard, you were actually quite the busy artist in high school, so much so that you actually had some sort of uh, agreement where you could miss some school and get some credit in exchange for playing live shows. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, it was a, it was an interesting thing. I guess it was um, a little bit of an anomaly for what I was doing because I, most kids, you know, are either going to be going to work in a small town normal job or go to college or join the military or whatever it is. Those are kind of like the three things that you did and where I grew up. And, and I was like, well, I'm going to play guitar and write songs, which was very not normal where I was from. And, and so I was already doing that. And, and, you know, by the time I was a junior in high school or so, I was already, I was getting booked by a major booking agent in Nashville. And I was playing about 125 to 130 shows a year um, at that point, which is a lot uh, plus going to school and, um, and it was just crazy. And so I was missing a lot of school at the time. And I got called into the administrator's office at, I think it was towards the end of my junior year. And they were basically like, you've missed X amount of school days, whatever it was. And that's over what you're allowed to miss. Um, and either one, you can miss no more, you can't miss any more school or you are going to basically get kicked out of school. One of the two, like you're, you, those are your options here. And so I was like, well, I'll, I'll take B and I'm going to leave then. That's just is what it is. And because I, I just knew that this was what I wanted to do and, and that nothing was going to get in my way. And so I uh, I withdrew from, from high school. My parents went up with me and, and allowed me to withdraw. I was going to finish school out online, um, which I found out very quickly I could not do because, one, I wasn't disciplined enough, academically speaking, to push myself to finish on my own. And two, I, I don't know, there was something about the lack of community there, which I, I'm very big on still to this day. I need people around me and I need the, the community aspect of it. And and so luckily I was able to, to re-enroll in school right before my senior year started. And, um, and I made a deal with them basically that was like, look, I really wanna come back to school. I wanna finish my education. It's really important to me. It's really important to my parents. Um, what can we do in order to make that happen? And so basically, they're like, as long as you keep your grades above a certain average and you don't disrupt class, basically, which I didn't do anyways, I was pretty quiet in general and, uh, and everything that they were like, you can kind of miss your, whatever the allowance is, you just got to keep your, your stuff up and you got to be here for the major tests and all of the above. And so I kept my word and I didn't miss any days that I didn't have to miss. And then I, uh, I finished high school barely, but I did finish. And, um, and then I moved to Nashville right after. So it was, it was, I was very grateful to have like a really good high school experience with the fact that I had really great teachers. I had a great administrative team there and they were very supportive of it. I think at first they just didn't quite understand what it was that I was trying to do. They thought I was just skipping school to go play guitar um, which I kind of was, I guess, but I was also getting paid for it and I was going and, and doing it in a very legit way. Um, so it just took a little bit of, you know, bending the rules to, to get it done. Hey, that's still, that's still crazy to hear. I mean, you're living every high school guitar player's dream. There. <laughs> I that you know, I didn't realize that at the time, but that, I guess I was, yeah. Oh, for sure you were. So talking about moving to Nashville, uh, that, that is like the epicenter of country music. Was that a big change for you moving there? How did it feel? It was, man. You know, I, I'd been making trips back and forth from from where I grew up in Georgia to Nashville. It was about a four and a half hour drive, um, which isn't too bad. And so I was familiar with Nashville and I kind of knew what I was getting into. 
But, you know, like I said, I was playing a lot of shows around the southeast where I was from and, and, and especially around my hometown and stuff. I played a lot. And and I thought I was a big deal where I grew up and, and everything. And moving to, you know, country music city and all of the above, you, you think it's just going to kind of transfer to where you were going. And that was just not the case, uh, nor is it for like anybody. And I didn't realize that. And um, and so I think that was the thing that was the hardest was one I was I was moving away from my where I grew up which I had never done before which I guess you do to go to college or whatever it is but um but I just didn't do that and I didn't move with any friends or anything like that so I was kind of just on my own and um and then also the fact again that like I just I wasn't as big of a deal as I thought I was gonna be and so you know it took many years to start even group making a friend group and then all of the above and. And so I think just the challenges of moving to a new city, like to like anybody else, is the thing. But it also involved my livelihood and my career and everything else too. Um, so it was just it was just an interesting transition. But Nashville, such a community based. I keep saying that word, I know, but it's such a community based city, um, and the country music community especially is. And so you at least once you kind of get into it, everybody is such an open armed, like welcoming group of folks that you feel pretty much at home uh, pretty quickly. So, so it's, uh, it, it took a minute, but, but I got my bearings and, um, and I love Nashville now and it's, it's definitely home. That's great to hear. That's, that's really an interesting insight into that sort of life that I don't think a lot of people really get. Probably not. No, but it is a small, it's a small town, man, even though it's a, it's a massive city and it's growing like crazy, but the, the, the community of country amongst country music is, is very tight and very close and, and it's awesome. All right, well, so tell us about your new album, this uh, Side Effects of the Heart. What's going on with that? Yeah, Side Effects of the Heart is uh, coming out September 15th, which I'm, I'm stoked about. It's my debut record on Monument Records, um, as far as like a full-length album goes. And um, I feel like it's a great transition from, you know, if, if anyone has listened to my Six Strings EP, it's uh, it's a fairly stripped-down record, but, it, you know, it's it, all featuring six different guitar-playing, either heroes or friends of mine, all around the country music community and stuff. And and so I, I wanted to kind of not take a huge left turn from what that was on this record, but just kind of elevate where I was at that point to where I am now. And, um, and I think we did a great job sonically speaking with that, but Side Effects of the Heart to me is a record that talks just about the emotions of, of life that we all go through, whether that's love or heartbreak or losing folks or chasing a dream down or you know having your first child and getting married like all of the emotions that you go through in life and that I have experienced in life so far and um and you know I feel like sometimes we can kind of get into our own little bubble of thinking that we are the only ones dealing with these things whether those are extremely high happy emotions or really sad low emotions or whatever it is in between um and I think that you know the older that I get and the more experience with life that I have, um, the more that I find that we're all going through that stuff. Like we are all in the mess of life together. And, um, and so, you know, that's kind of what the record is about is just the, the act that it's just a bunch of stories, whether I have experienced myself or that I've got ga gathered them from other folks and, um, and just kind of what the journey of life has been to me so far. And, um, and that's what side effects of the heart is. That's awesome. I mean, Music written with such an emotionally charged experience is always going to be more powerful than something, you know, written just to write music. Something that draws on real life experience like that is always extremely valuable and it makes a great thing to listen to as well. 
Well, I think so too, man, and I appreciate that. And, you know, I, I think that that is what has always drawn me to country music. Again, I, I grew up listening to it. My parents, like their parents, like it's a long line of just country music fans and, and love for it in my family. And um, and so that's, again, what I just primarily grew up listening to. But I think the songs, if I look back from the beginning of my like recollection of music to where I am now, like the stuff that I've always gravitated towards are the stories and the songwriters and um and you know i don't think that always has to be a, a happy or a sad song it can be about just a, a time that you had at one moment you know i think that's the the fun of it and um and so i try to do that on this record and, and i hope people will uh will see that and, and connect with it as well for sure so actually going back to what you were saying about six strings uh you said before that one of your inspirations was vince gill how did it feel getting to work with him on that ep Man, I mean, again, growing up on country music and, and just like that's the world that I've always loved. I grew up listening to a lot of Vince Gill. Um, and uh, and so to have him say yes to be on a record with me is especially at that time. I mean, not that I'm even much farther along at this point, but at that point, we were all stranded at home during a, during a pandemic. And I had put out like one song on Monument Records. And so he, him, Brad Paisley, all of these folks that I really grew up listening to and loving, um, for them to say yes to doing something like that is pretty amazing. And uh, and it's something that I will never take for granted. And and now I've been able to play shows with pretty much everybody I've had on that record with me. And, and I've done a lot with Vince specifically, whether that's playing the Grand Ole Opry with him many times now, or we've done some stuff with the CMA Foundation and stuff such as well. And and stuff and it, it's just a cool thing man i mean and, and it's another great thing just to be able to meet a hero and and then be even better than you could have imagined them to be as a human being just as like having the kindest heart and just a warm spirit about him um it, it is a rarity i think to find and and so it's it's pretty neat to be able to have him be on that record but also to to get to know him at this point in my life too you know, talking about uh going out and playing shows do you have any like funny or interesting stories from the road that you want to share Oh my goodness. I mean, there probably are too many. Um, gosh, I, I think honestly, one of my favorite memories of just touring in general has been, uh, last year I, I toured for three weeks over in, in Europe and, um, and we were on a, on a tour bus and I was out with my friend, Brandy Clark, who was also on my, on my record actually. And, um, that was one of the coolest experiences. Cause I, up until last March, I had never left the United States ever. I'd never been out of the country before. And, uh, and I'm 29 years old, which is crazy. But um, so I, I got to go to a lot of places over a period of like 20, I think it was 20 days. And and um, one of my favorite memories was we were in the UK at this point of the tour. And um, it was like a few days into the tour. We had a day off in London. And so a few of us hopped on a train and went down to Brighton, UK. And it was it was still pretty cold. And uh, and I went and, and took a took a swim out into the English Channel, and that was one of my favorite memories I think that I've ever had. It was it was it's not like that's no like cool backstage story I guess per se, but I think like you know someone who's never been able to leave the country before, you know you get to fly on a plane, go play some shows, and hop on a train, and then swim out in the English Channel. It's pretty cool. So uh, not a glamorous story, but I found that to be a cool moment. Oh no, that's totally cool. I mean, I've never. I don't know how many people can sit there and say, oh, yeah, on a day off, I just went out and swam in the English Channel. Like, that's huge, man. That's awesome. <laughs> you never know. You never know, you know, where, where the road's going to take you. For sure. 
All right, Alex. So, you know, this is the Pedals and Pickups podcast. So, of course, we got to talk about your gear and get into your amazing country style tone. Let's start with yeah. your amps. What are you working with? Man, uh, it's it's ever changing. Um, my primary main one is it's a 1966 Blackface uh, Baseman head through a 212 cab. Um, that are, uh, I believe it's the G12 75s are, that I'm running in it. So it's it's very high, obviously, uh, headroom and, and super clean. Um, but that's my main one that I primarily use in the studio and, and live. Um, it's 50 watts. It's very loud, but it's I love it. Um, and then I'm also running, it's a newer amp, but it's a uh, 64 hand-wired custom uh, deluxe reverb. So it's like it's the custom shop version of the reissues, I guess, Fender makes. Um, but it's all hand-wired. It's great. And um, I have swapped the speaker out to a warehouse Veteran 30, which is like their take on a vintage 30 okay. uh, in it. But uh, but I use that one a lot, too. And then a uh, the only other one that I really use a lot is a 1964 uh, Fender Vibe Reverb. So I love the Fender. I love the clean the clean Fender t- uh, tone, but uh, but that one is also a vintage one as well. So those are kind of the three main uh, main amps that I I kind of use the most. But the basement is my is my uh, my go to. Oh yeah, that's great. I mean, just having that high clean headroom is of course super important for country. It gives you a lot of control over when you want it to break up. Yep, yep, and it, and they take pedals so well. You know those that's and I and I do use a, a quite a bit of pedal. Not it depends on, on the show, I guess, and the song, but. Um, but I like the clean headroom for for the pedals to to be able to you know do their thing. So, but uh, but it's great. But talking about pedals, I mean, hit us with it. What do you got on your board? Oh man, it's let me see if I can even think about it. Um, a, a tuner, you know, it starts with the tune, the tuner <laughs> pedal. Um, but uh, you know, it it again, it, this is always something. I feel like I've I've gotten some that stay on the board, but but a lot of them will move move on and off quite often but um i'm using the jhs uh whitey tidy compressor i think or tidy whitey okay. compressor the yeah. one with the underwear on it you know that little thing yeah uh, and I, I use it very lightly i don't i don't do the really country chicken picking thing like that's not really my style of playing um i love more melodic blues kind of lending guitar playing um so I leave it on very lightly and it kind of stays on the whole time, honestly, um, just to round out the sound a little bit. Um, but I, I normally will go in from that into the um, Qtron that I only use for a very short section of a solo on side effects of the heart, actually. Um, and uh, it's on the outro solo. There's a little section that I kick the Qtron on to get that kind of envelope Ottawa thing. Um, and so it goes from that into I'm trying to remember this now, um, a little ODR mini. Oh, really? Um, I don't know if you can mess with those at all. The nobles. Uh, I've got ODR. one in the closet back here. I love oh, nice. it. Yeah. This, this one's the XTS mod. So I think it's got the mid scoop in it. So it's, uh, they've gone in and, and rewired it a little bit and I've had the original, like the vintage noble ODR ones and stuff. And they just always are a little finicky, and I, and these little mini ones sound great. Especially, I really love the one with the XTS mod, um, so they're great. Um, I use it a lot, and then um, from that, I'm into the Greer amps, Lightspeed. I don't know if you if you're familiar with that pedal or not. Oh, it's insanely popular. I've never had it. I've had a chance to play it a few times. I really like yeah. it, 
But uh, yeah, from somebody that's using it on the regular, what do you think about it? Man, I, I love it. It's really transparent, which I know people say that a lot. And I don't really even know what that means, to be honest. But it, it, it makes sense in my head that it's like it it sounds like an amp that you just went and turned up a little bit louder, I think, which is what I love about it. It's it's in that sweet, crunchy spot to me um, where I use it, it's where it's just pushing the amp a little bit more. So it's the Nobles is on the end of like the Tube Screamer thing where it's kind of heavier and thicker, thicker. And I like this to, again, just kind of more rhythm kind of bass thing. And it's just elevates it all a little bit. Um, so that one actually comes on and off the board a little bit. I don't leave it on all the time. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with it because depending on the amp, it sounds great. And then some amps, I don't like the way it sounds. So um, it's hit or miss. The one that I've been obsessed with lately, again, I... My whole bottom of my board is drives. Um, so I, 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 again, clean headroom. Um, but the one that I've been obsessed with the most lately is the Strymon Deco, um, which is a little bit of a, I don't see a lot of folks using it as an overdrive pedal, honestly. Um, but I love the overdrive on it. It's a tape saturation pedal. Yeah, yeah. And um, I have the, uh, the version one version of it. I, I didn't really want the... I think it is a cassette switch on the new one or something. Um, but I just, I have the version one and the overdrive on it is just awesome. It sounds like an amp cranked to me. Uh, and, but without all the, like the high end fizzle to it. And, um, and so I, I've been using it a ton lately and, uh, and it's kind of become my primary main overdrive, which is fun. And also if you're on a small board, it's got the, the side B on it that you can either get a slap back on it. You can get a phaser on it. You can get a chorus pedal out of it. You can get all kind of stuff out of your side B because of the real, real tape situation on it. So that's become my, one of my favorite pedals that I've, I've gotten in the last year, probably that it's consistently stayed on the board and, um, and I've, I've just used the crap out of it. So, um, and to that, I'm into the EP booster, which I use for just mainly solo boost for lead boosts. Um, I, I love it. I've tried, so I've got the Keeley Katana. I've tried a bunch of others and I just really love the EP booster. It just does a thing that just sounds right to me. Um, so I, I just leave it cranked about, I don't know, probably nine, 10 o'clock and hit it for, to get louder. Again, the whole front row is just getting louder. Um, and then... I'm trying to think of what else. Um, I guess after that, it goes into the uh, the Aquapus, the little. Um, uh, I think it's. I don't know what kind of delay it is to be honest, but it, I use it as a slapback, and um, and it stays on pretty much the entire time I'm on on electric guitar. Um, I've kind of just become. It's become part of the my thing, I guess, of that I use. I don't ever turn it off. So, the Aquapus is up there for a, a little slapback. And then I'm running into a phase 90, a uh, little, little phaser that I use on a, a song that's not out yet, but it's on the record called I'm Coming Back. Um, that's covered in phaser, uh, which is really fun. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, it's very fun. And so, uh, so that's up there for that song. And then I'm running into the uh, Strymon Flint, which is, you know, their reverb and trim pedal. Uh, which I, I love. I think the reverb in it sounds amazing, and the tremolo also sounds amazing, um, and I use the tap tempo setting on it for that. Um, and then 
I'm running a Strymon Brigadier, the old one. Not they just came out with a new one, I think. Um, but this is the older one with the uh, the tap tempo and everything, and it's got the modulation and all that on it. Um, I don't use it a lot. I don't mess around a lot with tap tempo, to be honest, or tap tempo delay. Um, I, I just like the slapback nine times out of ten, and um, and then I think that's really primarily. It. I'm trying to think if I've got any other ones that I'm using. I, that, I, that's a lot of pedals, I guess. That, that, that's that's it. Uh, but yeah, I think that's primarily it. I, I'll throw in the UAFX like Dream 65 for some fly dates if I need like a little amp simulator. Or I've recently been di- di- diving into the um, the Neural DSP Quad Cortex a little bit as well, um, which is all very foreign to me because again, I love my old vintage style amps. Um, but fly dates, it, it makes it a little hard to do that with. So, um, so I'll play with those a little bit, trying to to get some stuff going there. But that's that's primarily the pedal rig that I'm uh, I'm running most of the time. Okay, just to hit on what you're talking about before, you actually like hit it right on the nose. That whole transparency with overdrive, it's yeah. You're not adding any character to the tone. You're just cranking yeah. up a little bit harder. So if everybody's listening, uh, yeah, if you're not familiar with transparent overdrive, like that Greer light speed. I'm pretty sure it's uh, similar to a blues breaker, like the old Marshall blues breaker. Pedal. I think so. It, they're supposed to be in the same in the same world. Yeah, that is a classic transparent overdrive. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Especially, and I mean, with that rig, I can see a lot of the uh, the inspiration from your heroes in it, especially. For sure, man. I mean, and, and you know, I think I've heard a lot of folks talk about it through the years, and I I think that as you to become your own kind of guitar player and your own artist and find your sound, you kind of emulate your heroes until you finally find out what it is that like is your sound. Um, and I'm still achieving that, you know, I don't know that you ever reach it. You know, I, I still see folks like Vince and John Mayer and all of these guys uh, constantly changing stuff around still. So it's like, I don't know that you ever reached the point of like, I've got it figured out. Um, but I'm definitely I've gotten a lot closer uh, over the years of, of what I really love. But I, I'll always be a fan of my heroes and, and I'll be trying to you know chase chase after them probably till the day that I'm that I'm done playing. So All it's right. a, it's a fun, fun hobby, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's great. But I'm going to ask you the tough question now. All right. All right. Just like asking a parent to pick their favorite child. If you had to take that whole board and no yeah. multi effects that. Quad cortex is a cop out answer. <laughs> that whole board and condense it down to like, we'll give you we'll give you three pedals. What would three it be? Pedals. What would make up the core of your sound? Man, three pedals. If I oh man, that's tricky. Um, and I've got an amp. I'm assuming, right? I, yeah. I've got the amp at the end of it. Any one of your amps that you pick. I'll I'll take the 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 sixty six basement. That'll be the amp. Um, which, well, you know what, that's, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to retract on that. I'm going to go with the, with the 64 deluxe reverb because it has reverb in it. Cause then that's going to take a pedal away from me. So it's got a, gonna, a spring tank, right? It's a spring tank. Yeah. Which I, I tend to lean towards. I, I like spring reverb. Um, but so we'll go with the deluxe for the amp, but I would, I'm going to go with my. Man, I'm going to go with the Deco, which I might regret in years to come. I'm going to go with the Deco <laughs> for my overdrive. Um, and I'm also, you know, I'm getting the slap back there that I, if I needed in the other side. So I'm going to go with the, the Deco. 
and then we're gonna go EP booster for the leads because I love the 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 bump you get out of that, and then um, the aquapus for the slap back. I think I'm, that's gonna be the rig. I think I could accomplish everything that I needed between the amp and those three pedals. I think I could get it all done. That's a great choice. I like that. I like yeah, that a lot. It's I, I feel confident with that. I might regret one of those pedals <laughs> at some point, but right now I'm I'm gonna be happy with it. <laughs> So let's talk about your guitars. What are you using there? Yeah, man. Uh, again, ever, ever changing, just trying to chase down that dream goal of tone, whatever that is. Uh, but my main guitars, acoustic wise, I'm running. It's a, uh, my main one's a J200. It's a custom shop Gibson J200 um, that I was Fortunate enough that my friends over at Gibson um, hooked me up with it. I was out on tour a few years ago with Little Big Town, and my guitar that I'd used for n- nearly 10 years, um, it was an old J45, and the headstock broke uh, right down the middle. When I got home from the airport, I don't know how it happened, but oh, no. I came home, and I left two days later, and my headstock was literally folding down the middle. And so I called my friends over at Gibson and they they hooked me up with this uh, amazing custom shop J200. And so I've been using it for the last two and a half years. It's amazing. And so I've got a, a, another, like a, this this old hummingbird back here behind me too that I, I play a lot. And this is actually that J45 that I've had repaired, but it's had some other issues through the years. So it's my, I, I record with it a lot. Um, so it's on all, all the records and stuff. Um, so those are kind of the acoustics. Um, Electric World... Um, I, I've been, again, fortunate to become friends with the folks over at Fender and they've been, um, very, very kind to me through the years. And I can't necessarily afford all of the great vintage electric guitars that I would love to have that I'm sure all of us would love to have. Um, but I think Fender does a really great job at recreating those vintage guitars. Um, and so my main one that I've been using for a little while now is the, um, the Fender, then they're not making them anymore, actually, but it's the Fender American Original um, line, and this was a 70s custom telly, so it's the the wide-range humbucker in the neck and then the uh, single-coil telly pickup in the bridge. Um, the Cunefe pickup, I think it is, in the neck. Yeah. And um, and I love that guitar, man. It's it's great, and they're pretty high-output pickups, too, so it's they, they sound great clean, but they really like crunch up really well. Um, and I, I've been using that one for a while now. And then also their newer line of the American vintage two, which are all the, both of those are all spec except the American original is a nine and a half inch radius versus the American vintage twos are actually seven and a quarter. So they're to a T exactly what it would have been. And, um, so I've been playing, it's a 1951 Blackguard telly, which is like the Holy grail of telecasters, obviously. Um, and, and I love it so much. And those, those are my main two electrics um and then the last one that i use not as often as those but i actually used it on the record a lot ironically um and i'm not even a huge strat guy which is funny but i i use this guitar all over the record and it's another american original which again they're not making anymore but it's the uh, 50s uh strat that they had made at the time and again all of those are to spec except the american original was nine and a half radius versus seven and a quarter um their nitro finish pickups are all to spec um, and, and they're just really great, man. They feel great in my hands. They sound the way that I imagine them to sound. 
and uh, they're significantly more affordable than a 1951 Blackguard Tele that's going to be $60,000 or whatever, um, instead of two grand or whatever it is. And so, um, so those are, those are the main, the main electrics that I use. Um, I, I tend to, again, lean towards the tellies a lot more, um, than anything else. I, they just feel right and sound right in my head. Um, but, uh, but again, i I used to strap more than any guitar on that record, which is hilarious because I don't necessarily even love strats that much, but, um, even though my heroes play them quite often, um, I, I love the Telecaster. So, but those are the main ones that I, I primarily am using most of the time. That's awesome. I mean, those strats, they're they're extremely versatile guitars. I mean, they're used yep. all over all kinds of famous albums. But it's interesting to me that you talked about having a telly with the wide range pickups. I've actually got a telly here that's got them both the bridge and the neck. I love oh, those yeah. pickups. They're awesome. They're, which one do you have? It's a 70s thin line. So it's got the cool. uh, the F-hole and the chambered body right. in it. It gets a little bit of like natural distortion going on. But those yeah, pickups man. are really killer. They're great. I, I really love them. And, and uh, I think they also just look really cool. Uh, you know, they, they just they look awesome. Uh, but I would show you mine, but they're actually all at Fender right now getting the neck sanded down. I'm getting ready to go out on tour and I'm uh, they have the nitro finish on the whole guitar and they're kind of sticky. And uh, and so I've got uh, the folks over at Fender. They're they're sending my necks down or I would show them all to you. Um, but uh I just really love them, man. I actually, I actually just um, parted ways with one that it was a. I had traded it for another guitar year a few years ago, and uh, it was the the two Kunafe double as well, the thin line as well, actually. So I I, I just have one and just parted ways with it, but um, I uh, I love them, man. They sound really good, and I think they did a great job. I've played a few original um, of the custom tellies of like the one that I have, and they sound almost identical to the point where I think if you were blindfolded, you wouldn't even know the difference in my opinion. Uh, and, uh, and so they're fun. They're fun to play. And, and, you know, similar, like you were saying to the strat, it's like where you can cover so much ground on it, whether it's with that wide range humbucker in the, in the neck and the single coil on the bridge, or just my standard 51 telly that I have, I found that between the three pickups, you can really, working your volume and your tone and especially with pedals and stuff like you can get anything done with those guitars. And and that's kind of been my journey lately has been because again, we're doing a lot of fly dates and stuff. It's like, you don't have a lot of room to carry around all of these guitars and stuff. And so it's been really, how can I consolidate down to like one electric, one acoustic, and then like a small board. And, uh, and that with as many pedals as I clearly was talking about loving to use and all of the above, that's, tricky to do um but that's just the way that I've, I've discovered with the telecaster i feel like i can achieve that one guitar thing and and uh and and get it get get the job done and so um it's, it's pretty fun though I, and again if we talk in six months from now i might have three different guitars that i would say <laughs> those are the ones i'm using so you never know hey i mean there's nothing wrong with there's a lot of people out there that really agree with you and even me somewhat uh that leo fender got it right the first time i mean i'm super big into into jaguars and jag ma uh, jazz yeah, masters man. but telecasters yeah i mean there's nothing wrong with that not at all that's the thing i haven't dipped my toes much into the into the uh the offset world with the jazz masters and stuff i i, I want one so bad but i just can't pull the pull the plug on it and just do it uh but i i think they look awesome and they sound so cool too um but but i don't i don't have one Man, you're, oh, I got to say you're missing out. <laughs> it's like a 
jazz masters are like a gateway drug to all kinds of weird guitars. That's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. I, I'm, I'm going to wind up with one of my hands eventually. So, uh, you know, talking about you saying that maybe, you know, in, in a year from now, you're going to have three different guitars that you like. Do you find yourself constantly experimenting and changing your sound? Are you trying to keep it the same or what's going on? I would say uh, all of the above. Uh, honestly, it's I don't think that I'm constantly changing it. I think that I'm constantly just trying to enhance it, if that makes sense at all. Like, I, I, I found a place that like I know that I, I love a clean amp. I know that I love a specific reverb. I love the slapback and I love the overdrive sound. So I, I know that like the overall direction of where the sound is, is going to stay pretty much the same. I think the thing that I'm at right now is again, how can I make that sound the best that I can possibly make it sound? And also continuing to again, make it sound more and more like Alex Hall. So like if, you didn't know that it was me playing on a song, but you heard the guitar sound. It's it, you're going to know that it's me. The same you would know it's Vince Gill, the same you'd know it's John Mayer, whoever it is. And um, and so I think that's more the thing that I'm trying to to achieve now is not like how can I continue to change it is just how can I elevate it and enhance it and get better at it. And I think the only changing aspect to it for me at this point is again like i was saying i've got like the little phase 90 on the board right now like that's a new thing for me um that i've like i've not dipped my toes into the phase world very much or like you know uh especially like the quad cortex thing like that kind of stuff is way above my head it's like you know i i, I love simplicity i love turning a knob uh and on, a, on an amp or on a pedal so i think as far as like changing and getting different i think it gets into that side of stuff for me more than like let me try to go with a whole new guitar and a whole new amp sound and a whole new rig i don't i don't foresee myself uh going down that way it's just trying to get better and then and find little little fun unique ways to to make the tone fun and different sections of songs and stuff okay for sure so you, you got the you got the house built you're just tweaking the architecture the Exactly. The, the interior design keeps changing, but the house is built. That's a great analogy for it. I love that. For sure. So here's the big kicker. This is my last question for you. What do you personally think makes a great guitar tone? Oh, man. That's a dangerous question because I don't think there's a right answer for it. I think it's all a personal. I think it's a personal thing. I think that, you know, me okay if i'm just going to be honest i guess me personally i really hate bright ear piercing just like i know the the tone is like or the the, the term is like ice pick kind of sound uh i hate that i i just <laughs> like i like a strat on the bridge pickup i just i don't like it it's just not for me um like i i lean more towards like on a strat the four the two to four pickup and two still rolling the tone back on a telly, tone's still going to be rolled back on the bridge, but I love the neck pickup on a telly. So it's like, I I love warm, like, I love tone that feels like you're getting a nice warm hug at the end of a cold day. Like, that's the way that I think a guitar tone to me should sound. And and I think that's why I love folks like Vince Gill and folks like John Mayer and, and that style of guitar sound because it is just so, it's just warm. Um, and I, I don't know how else to describe it, but... Uh, yeah, I, I think that to me is the perfect sound. It's just like a really great amp that's just got some room to breathe. 
that you're not choking it out and 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 you're just you know coming home and to a nice warm hug that's what a tone should sound like to me that actually sounds really cool i mean it, it sounds like it's a like a really kind of smooth almost jazz inspired tone with yeah. you're not pushing the amp to its max but you're getting a good bit of transparent breakup in there to get you a nice relaxing tone Absolutely. And I, and I love folks, you know, like Robin Ford and Larry Carlton and all of those guys that, you know, I think, you know, I mean, Robin Ford obviously has the most famous Dumble of all time. Oh, yeah. I, you know, that he, he is, his tone is incredible. And it's like, even when he is cranking it, it's still so warm and smooth. And, um, and I think that's, that is the thing that I definitely, I love about a, a great tone. For sure. All right, Alex, I think we really hit on everything. Is there anything that you want to add before we head out? I think that's it, man. I appreciate your time. And I, I have, I've enjoyed talking with you and, and getting the chance to talk about some gear too. It's always, I love talking about my records and stuff as, as well, but uh, I don't get to talk about gear that much. So it's, it's pretty fun. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show, Alex. It was great having you. Uh, once again, Alex's new album is coming out on September 15th. It's titled Side Effects of the Heart. If you want to hear a vintage Fender-powered country rig, Check it out and get some of those awesome tones in your life. We'll see you guys later. Take care.